Chapter 13 Dorothy Dale's Camping Days This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Lucy Burgoyne. Dorothy Dale's Camping Days by Margaret Penrose. Chapter 13 The Sad Awakening. Such a long, lovely sleep on that fluffy feather bed, everything so sweet, so wholesome, even in her half-conscious state, Dorothy knew that things about her were right, that they were homey. Then the smooth roughness of that woman's hands, the life of them seemed to cry out comfort, while the harsh flesh told another story. Twice Dorothy had opened her eyes over a pan of chicken broth. She had to take it, and she was glad of it. Then outside in the hall room, that was really nothing more nor less than a landing for the unrailed stairs, she thought she could hear the old-fashioned voice of a very old-fashioned man. He wanted to fetch her something, and he didn't seem to care just what. "'Couldn't I get her a hunk of that sausage that we brung home?' he begged. "'You loon,' was his answer. "'Are you set on murder? Do you want to kill her outright?' This repressed his enthusiasm. "'Never do I,' he declared, spite of the reward, Samantha. "'Don't she look like what our little un ought to look like if she grew to look?' "'You loon, how could you tell what she ought to have looked like?' when her own mother never saw her try. Oh, Joshua! And the lines of hardship melted into possibilities. Wouldn't it have been lovely if she did live to look? Twa'n't your fault, nor mine, Samantha. He knows, and maybe that's why he sent this un. Ain't she purty? And I don't care a dern about the sanitation folks. Of course, we've found her, and they want her. It was a strange sight, those two wrinkled old faces peering into the blossom that lay on that feather bed. Joshua Hobbs, you are an old loon. I can't see how you can make out that this is heaven sent, and she brushed a fly from the white forehead. Oh, yes, you kin, Samantha, else why did you shoo that fly? Shut up, you want to rouse her? And she went over and pulled down the green curtain with the pink rose border. Are you certain that she's the one? Didn't I say I'd seen her? And there are so many corn silk heads around here. Now, the question is, just what I was a-thinking, the question is, we can lock this room and put the bars agin the shutters, but I don't want to scare her. It's the best, though. We have got to make it skewer. I don't imagine she'll care for a while. Anyway, and then we can tot her back to the sanitation. Well, we'll see. Now, you sneak off and I'll tuck her in. Poor lamb, to think that she's loony. Ain't it a shame? If Anne was alive, we wouldn't care if she could think or not. We would think for her, wouldn't we, Samantha? Maybe, she answered, giving the quilt a smoothing. But there's no talent. She might have run off. The remainder of the soliquy was lost in the red and white quilt. 
There Dorothy slept. The tin dipper of fresh water was on the wooden chair at her side. The green curtain was drawn down to the very sill of the window. The door was shut, and it was hooked on the outside. How long she slept she could not by any means know, but certainly the sun had sailed around to the window that wore no curtain, and through which the glint of a fading day cut in like a faithful friend to poor Dorothy Dale. She groped her way over to the door. It was bolted, and the windows were securely fastened. The awful truth forced itself into her fagged brain. She was a prisoner. Why? What had she done? Wasn't that woman kind? And did not the man go to the spring for water? She heard him say so. And he was a feeble old man. Why was she locked, barred, in that smothering attic room? She picked up a heavy block that lay near, and with it rapped vigorously on the bare floor. A shuffling of feet on the stairs told that she had been heard, and presently the not unkindly face of Samantha Hobbs made its way into the room. "'Why am I locked in?' gasped Dorothy. "'Why do you not let me go back to my friends?' "'Hush there, now, dearie,' and she smoothed the hand that lay idly on the red and white quilt as Dorothy stood beside the bed. "'You'll be all right. Don't you go and get bothered.' We've sent for the doctor, and when he comes, he'll fetch you right home to your ma. But you have got to keep quiet, or else the fever will set in, and then there's no telling. I told Joshua that we would do for you like as if you was our own. But you must not talk, dearie. You must be mournful still. Dorothy looked keenly into the face that leaned over her. What did it mean? Whom did they take her to be? Do you know who I am? She ventured. Why, of course we do, lubby. But don't you bother to talk. The doctor will be here in the morning, and he'll take you back to your ma. I have no mother, sighed Dorothy. I am a stranger around here, and I hope you will not keep me from my friends. They are probably looking for me now. Course they be, but not a little chicken soup. No, then a sip of tea. It's revivin'. Joshua, Joshua, come with that milk. How long does it take to milk a brindle cow? The fresh milk was brought and crowded upon the already well-filled wooden chair. Thank you very much, murmured Dorothy, but I cannot eat or drink. I must go to my friends. In spite of her will, the tears came. At the sight of them, the woman shuffled off. Evidently, tears were too much for Samantha Hobbs. I'll leave you a candle, no? I guess I had better just raise the lattice. And if you wants anything, I'll hear you if you knocks. Don't you worry, dearie. Samantha Hobbs ain't no, well, she ain't, that's all. Then Dorothy was alone, all alone in the stuffy room. Could she escape, get out of the window, anything to be in the free open air, and to run, run back to dear old camp? She tried every crack, every window, the old door, even the hole that opened out on the slant roof. Barred, 
locked. Everything was locked against her. Oh, must I die here? she murmured. Then she fell back on the bed, on the red and white quilt, sobbing, too weak to cry, too weak to think, but not too weak to know. End of chapter 13